I want to say a word of thanks to Dr. Uh, Tommy Arman, to our staff. I, I was out kind of last minute. I made a trip last weekend that I was not planning to make. I've got a childhood friend who's been battling cancer and didn't let any, anybody know. He has no immediate family. He's out in California uh, by himself. And so after he was given six months, he did what a typical man would do. He told nobody. But after the six months and after treatment and a little bit better word, he finally began to let people know. So uh, another childhood friend and I went out there to have a time with him to encourage him and uh, continue to pray uh, for that, uh, that friend of mine. And um, the Lord, I think the Lord did some wonderful things that weekend. But I thank you for letting me be out kind of as a last minute trip uh, to do that. It's kind of a journey, by the way, traveling during COVID, different kinds of lockdowns in California than maybe Mississippi. It was a different kind of journey. It's got to be a journey. That's where we are. We don't want to get to Christmas and not have put in the miles. We want to take this journey through these weeks so that we might let the Lord have all of us, but we want all that he wants to gift to us in this season, to to awaken us to who his son is and what his son desires to do. And so we've looked at Mary's story before. We've looked at Joseph's story before. So over these next couple of weeks together, I just want us to look at the journey. What do we notice in the journey? What does that tell us? Where, Where they went, where they were, what does that tell us about Christ and our response to him? And so we simply want to start at verse 26, and we see that the journey does not even begin in Nazareth with this story, this announcement, this town. The story begins in heaven, and we've got to remember that every Christmas. This is a word, this is a story, this is a reality that comes from God himself. Gabriel was sent by God to Mary. Christmas is born in heaven. And God's great love for us that he would send his only son for us. And it begins with this word to these rural kids. He always starts with the word. It always starts in the heart of God, the angel. By the way, it's interesting. Sometimes we can give a little bit more. We get fascinated by angels. The heart of this is, this is God's message to us, and it's God who initiates this word, and he wants to be clear about this word. There was somebody who betrayed our country uh, during World War II, gave our, our, our secrets to the Soviet Union, and he fled to Mexico, and, and to meet up with the people that he was giving those secrets to, he had to go through six different things. He was to uh, first check in in Mexico City and sign under the name I. Jackson. After he did that, he was to go to the Plaza de Colon in Mexico City, stay there in that town for three days, and then on that third day, go to the statue of Columbus. And then he was supposed to put a certain one of his fingers in a book in that plaza. And then when somebody came to him, the fifth thing is, he had to say that he was from Oklahoma. And then the sixth thing was, he was to receive his passport and would be taken to the Soviet Union. Six things so he could be identified. We're, we're at 300 plus in the Old Testament about Jesus. So if you read some people, I read somebody this week said 456. I don't know where those are. I'm not going to look them all up. 300 plus ways in which God has said, this, this is my plan of salvation. It comes to you 
in my son Jesus Christ. God being clear, here is how I will come and it's my desire to come to you and to gift to you my salvation. Sometimes we get excited about the angel and I get it. Maybe, maybe you've entertained angels unaware. Maybe you have had and could tell stories of when, when angels had done their ministry. Really the, the key word there is messenger. They'd done their messaging work of God. Sometimes they show up in other ways. We had a tornado my last year uh, at McGee, and, and it just it wiped out the second largest Baptist church there in several homes. And, and our church, like other churches, just poured into our community and was there uh, trying to help. And I remember cleaning up at one house, and then we went after that to this area where there were a couple of trailers in this field and talking with one of the people who survived that and talking to a a man, it was like two days later, he was still shaken up, obviously, because they had lost everything. And him saying to me, you know, I was, I was on the couch, and uh, all of a sudden there was a rumbling, but that didn't stir me. You know, there was that noise as the tornado comes. None of that woke me. Finally, it took somebody just grabbing me by the shoulders. Get up! Get up and get your family and get out of here! So I got up and went and got my family and got out of there. Got my wife and my two kids they were the only people in the trailer. I wonder who shook me and woke me and said, get up and get your family and get out of here. Angel? Was it a dream? You read Acts, God speaks in dreams. I know God initiated that. I'm going to give God the glory for initiating that and saying, get up and get out. Well, here is God taking that first step, this message to initiate to the people of God and especially to these who would carry out the plans of God. I have a great plan of salvation. It starts in his heart and he knows where it will end and yet he sends his son. Even knowing it, a cross is how it ends. And Jesus steps out of heaven for us, even knowing how it ends. The first location we think about at Christmas is not Nazareth or Bethlehem or the hills of, of Judah. Its heart is in heaven. This has been in the heart of God always since the foundations of the earth for his son to come and to be our savior. But let's just look at Nazareth. Let's just spend a few minutes there. What is it we find there? Go down to verse 34. It's, 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 it's one thing, Mary rightly says, how can this be for me because of her condition? But it could rightly be said about this town as well. Look through the first five books of the Bible. Where do you see the town Nazareth? You don't. Now listen, I know towns change their name. Okay, my dad was the first head football coach of Richland, Mississippi. Richland was not always called Richland. What was it? Plain. Where are you from? Plain. <laughs> no, I'm from Richland. You know, they changed the name at one point, right? And so I know towns' names change. But then you get to the Psalms, nothing. Then you get to the prophets. They're going to name this city, right? Mary and Joseph, they're going to name that city, and it's nothing. 300 plus prophecies of Christ, nothing. Less than average, small town. When the historians of Jesus' day are talking about an event that happened in that area, they named all kinds of towns. They never got to Nazareth because it's nothing. You listen to different historians. Some say 400-ish. Some say 
a hundred. Just a small town, a town you wouldn't even make note of. It's not even worthy to write on a scroll the name of that town. You ever been there? You ever felt like that? When it comes to what God says he can do in you or what God says he wants to do through you, have you ever felt of yourself, I am insignificant? Can I say to you, that's great. Because he's got you right where he can use you. If you have something incredible to offer to God, he rarely works through those people. He can't squeeze any glory out of those kinds of people. But if you say, I don't know what I have. You know, I, I, don't, I, I don't know that I have anything to offer. Well, guess what? He can get glory out of a life like that. If you've ever felt like Nazareth, looked over, insignificant, what a good word for us of what God can do and that God will receive the glory. And I, I love this. You get into the book of Acts, even post-resurrection, the name keeps coming up over and over again. When you introduce yourself, do you say where you're from? Hey, I'm, I'm Barry. I'm from Madison. I don't do that. If I ever want to get my way at a place where I want to cut in line, I might bring up my past. Hey, I'm Barry. I'm from South Jackson. Then they, boom, the line <laughs> splits, you know, and I. What's the name? What's the name you see over and over again post-resurrection? He is Jesus of Nazareth. Tied, unlike any other God in human history that's claimed to be God before or after, they don't tie themselves like that to, to come to be incarnate like that. But then this idea of post-resurrection, after I've been glorified, go back. it's still Jesus of Nazareth. He came to that place. God incarnate to people who might have been Less than or felt insignificant. Do you need to hear that word today? Part of our journey to the manger is believing God wants us to come to the manger. And he wants to offer that grace to us. He does to Mary and to Joseph. I, I, I can't even count all the ways that Mary must have felt on the outs. And yet God says yes to her. And she is the first yes to Jesus Christ. Whatever is your will, let it be done to me. No matter what you're feeling, no matter what you might think about your gifting or your talents or your testimony, how in this season will you let God say to you again, if you let me, there's nothing that's impossible with what I want to do in you and through you. Those people in Nazareth could have counted themselves out. We can't do that. But I also want to talk a little bit too, why are they? And we heard it, we heard it shared this morning. Why has God quit speaking? You remember now, it's been centuries that God has been silent. It's been centuries since there's been a prophet in a land. You've heard the, the, the prophecy read, there was darkness in the land. These people had been stubborn. These people had stepped back from God and had, had lived out their own ways. And God had simply stopped speaking. Now, I want to be careful when I share that with you. Um, because there can be times in our lives 
where we might experience silence from God, and it's not because of what we've done. Church mothers and church fathers throughout the centuries have talked about the long, dark night of the soul. Maybe you've been there. There's been no willful disobedience in your life, but you're just not hearing from God. Uh, Reverend Linda uh, told me just a couple weeks ago that in their study with Sandra Richter, who used to be a member of our church, one of the premier Old Testament scholars in our country, uh, she just recently talked about it, having that kind of season in her life. It can come. So don't, it doesn't always mean that it's because of our sub stubbornness or our sin or our own selfishness. There can just be times of silence and let God do his work as you wait faithfully for him to speak. Because what we see at Christmas is God is faithful. If we'll wait upon him, he will show up. But at Advent, we need, we need to be mindful of that story. The reason there was a stepping back was because of repeated and stubborn sin. I mean, you just look at the patience of God. If you go back, whether it's to Matthew chapter 1 or it's not until Luke chapter 3 that you get the genealogies of, of how God worked through these families, through these lines to, to bring to us the very Son of God for our salvation. You just read through those Two things show up to me on those genealogies. One is this. Just like that, what we just said about Nazareth, I've been to seminary. The 90 to 100 hours of master's work and then doctoral work. I don't know half of these people. Do you? Read through their genealogies. These are people I could tell you nothing about. They may have felt insignificant. They may have felt like, where is God? And yet God was working. But then the people I do know about in those genealogies, it's not good. You've got somebody weaseling a birthright. You've got his kids selling one of the sons into slavery. You've got a murderer and an adulterer. You've got at least two that we know of literally making their own children walk through fire as a sacrifice to pagan gods. You've got a prostitute named. You've got one with gangrene feet. I don't think I'd have mentioned that. I mean, you know, you've got all of that in here. People who had, by their own rebellion, had walked away from the Lord, and yet it's just like God. Whether it's Joseph who was sold, who said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Or Paul who says to the church in Rome, he can work. He can work it. Those who love the Lord called according to his purposes, he can work good. Will you let him do that wherever we have been? Maybe it's our feelings holding us back, or let's be honest, maybe there's some sin in our life, some disobedience, and we're stopping God from doing what he wants to do. This is the season to allow him to do that. If we're struggling with temptation, what a season to be reminded again of how God can work and that God wants to work. This season is about a journey. A journey to the manger, a journey to the peace of God, a journey to the, to the hope of God in Christ, a journey to the love of God which is found in his only son. A celebration of Two young people saying yes to God who walked by faith and made a difficult journey. And then for us, how is it you and I need to make that journey? 
maybe even in our own feelings of unworthiness, we've got to press through and say, Lord, here's, here's what I have. May it be done to me. Whatever you will, may it be done to me. Or maybe there's some places in your life that you need to say, Holy Spirit, I see in your word where you stop speaking because of some stubbornness. Are there places in my life where I'm stiff-necked? There are places in my life where I have stepped outside of your will. There are places in my life where I'm just constantly putting myself in places of temptation and it's displeasing to you. Would you show those to me and help me to repent this season and share it anew? And by the way, that's the other good word. We've got to tell it. We've got to tell it. Not only to press through unworthiness, not only to flee from temptation, but then to share this good news. When God opens a door, just as his angel was faithful to share the message of God, how is it in your life, in your attitude? But when those opportunities come available in this season, a season where people who are unchurched, people who have stepped away from the faith are more open to talking about religious things or more open to an invite to church than at any other time except for Easter. This is that season. How will you and I share it? I know I shared this story with you five years ago, but it's worthy of sharing twice. Um, But I was at a college, uh, kind of a Sunday night, get together, we sing some praise choruses, but then it was really a testimony service. Bunch of college kids hanging out at the upstairs at the student union and just talking about how we had seen the Lord work in our lives and just sharing some prayer requests. And this was, I think, end of freshman year, beginning of sophomore year. But I remember one of a really a, a girl who was a good friend of mine getting up to share what had just happened in her life. And she had talked about walking down the dorm uh, uh, hallway. And as she walked by a particular dorm room, she could just hear weeping inside that room. What do you do? What do you do if you walk by a door and you just hear somebody weeping? What might you be tempted to do? My friend said, I just walked by. Figured it was another boy, break up. Something I didn't want to get involved with. I had things to do, people to see, right? So I just walked on by, and the Holy Spirit said, you go back there and you say a word. So I went back. I knocked on the door. I opened the door, and there was a girl just sitting there on her bed just weeping. And I said, are you okay? And the girl said to my friend, do I look okay to you? And so my friend backed up and left her again. The Holy Spirit said, you go back and you say a word. So my friend went back to the room and said, one sentence. You know, when it gets like that for me, I just pray to Jesus. When it gets like that for me, I just pray to Jesus. My friend didn't know that girl was going to hurt herself that night. That girl not only saved a life, but that girl got to pray over that girl that night to say yes to Jesus. She shared. When a door opens, you share. I know it's intimidating in our culture today, and I know we've got a billion things to be about today, but I wonder if God might open a door, one door for each one of us this season, a door to say, when it gets like that for me, and to be able to celebrate who he is for you and how he's been faithful to you. There's nothing like a testimony. You can argue with arguments, you can argue with scripture, but when a believer says, I know him, 
and he's been so good to me. There's nothing like a testimony. How is it you and I need to hear this word and to respond? Let's pray about that. Almighty God, we, we thank you for this new season. The season of preparing our hearts to worship anew, to, to grow in new ways. We thank you for this word that you gave to Mary, that you will work in spite of feelings, in spite of failures around us, that you're a God who takes the initiative. And so we praise you for that. Father, I pray for any of us who are here today or watching that however we need to hear that word, that we would respond, that we would trust that you still love like that, that you still reach with your grace like that. If we feel insignificant or on the outs, would you speak to us as you spoke to Mary? Father, if like your people, if we're living in a way for ourselves and selfishness, we pray you would speak to us again and call us home in this season as Christ came to make his home with us. And we also pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open doors. Open doors so that we might be able to tell our testimony. We might be able to say why we have hope and peace. That we might be able to lift up the Christ. Thank you for this, your word. Bless now our response to it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.